Hi. How you doing? I put out recently to you guys what you wanted me to do an episode on, and I got some absolutely phenomenal topics and some wicked questions. Uh, but by far the most common, surprisingly, I did not see this coming, was what I wish I knew as a new grad. So let's get into that this episode. G'day and welcome to Occupy, your fortnightly podcast for all things occupation and occupational therapy. This episode, like I said, we are going to have a look at what I wish I knew as a new grad. Uh, And hopefully we can draw on some learnings for you guys from that. If you like the podcast, please do share it with your friends. Find some relevant people who you think might also enjoy it. You can leave us a review if you like, or get in contact with me via email if you have any ideas about what you'd like to see on the podcast. So, let's get stuck in. So, I guess to set the scene, uh, I graduated 12 years ago. 12 long years ago. Uh, I, When I graduated, I had... Really only one area, after I finished, uh, one area that I wanted to work in, and that was mental health. I absolutely fell in love with it after my final placement in mental health. And following that, I couldn't see myself doing anything else. My partner lived at the opposite end of the state, so I knew that I was going to move down there after graduation and I, it, it was kind of a good thing for me because there was three health districts uh, pretty close together within that area. So it kind of broadened my options for potential work. I think within that area, sort of within an hour drive, uh, there was probably six or seven different hospitals, uh, three full health districts, and... God knows how many individual teams. Uh, so I had lots of a, a lot more options down there uh, near Brisbane than I do where I currently reside in Townsville, which is just the one health district, so sort of one of everything. So I knew that was going to happen. I graduated. I don't feel like I really was super organized. I don't know if anyone actually is when they first graduate. I didn't feel like... I was, you know, super advanced in OT or anything even remotely close to that. I think I was confident in the area of work that my final placement was in, which was uh, like a step-down facility for mental health clients coming from inpatient who were at risk of becoming homeless. Uh, It was a step-down facility that we could put intensive rehab work in while they stayed in supported accommodation uh, and transition them into their own accommodation in the community over a six-month to a year uh, program. So I was confident in that, and I originally went looking for exactly that because that's what I knew, and that is what I felt like I could be good at that. I, I feel like I could get my head around that fairly easily. Um. Little did I know there was 
two of those in the state, and I just left one behind. Uh, the other one, obviously, well, not obviously, but there wasn't any any jobs going in that particular team at the time. Um, so I had to kind of broaden my scope. I knew I wanted to work in mental health. Uh, I didn't now know where. But I had assumed that, you know, it's the same concepts. So I can apply them to any area I go into and be perfectly happy and successful in that area. So what I ended up doing was I tracked down some lists of OTs. I was like, I need an in. I need to find out because I'm in a completely new area. I've never worked here. I've never, I've only ever sort of visited there for concerts and trips and holidays and that kind of stuff. Never tried to work in that area. So I didn't know anyone. I hadn't started going to conferences or anything at this stage. So I literally didn't know any OTs in the area. Uh, so I found a list on OT Australia's website. Uh, I don't know if it still exists, so please don't go like bombarding their website looking for a list similar to this. But it was a, a list of OTs and their practice areas, their interest areas. And I literally went through that list. I pulled out the email addresses of every OT that worked in mental health and lived in the the surrounding districts that I was moving to. And I knew that more than likely the person that I was emailing wasn't necessarily going to be you know, the hire and fire in that team or in that district, but I knew they would know who was. So I sent out a variety of emails to all of these people with a letter or like an expression of interest, a copy of my resume, just saying, hey, listen, I'm moving to this area. I'm a new grad OT. I've done a placement in this. I love mental health. I'm super keen to learn. And I'm wondering if you could put me in touch with the head of OT or the team leader, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, that worked out really successfully for me. I got a number of uh, job offers for temporary uh, sort of backfill roles at that point in time so it was you know people had been on maternity leave or people on long long-term sick leave uh they needed cover that was my way to get my foot in the door i i feel like that's probably one of the i, I feel like i managed the, that that initial job search really well i only really job searched for two days um before i i really kind of nailed down something and so I, I felt like I managed that pretty successfully. I was I was pretty chuffed with myself with regards to that. I feel like, not necessarily what I did, but I feel like something that a lot of new grads, it's important for, for you to get your head around is you're 100%, I can 100% guarantee it, you are never going to be in your dream job in your first job. Um, a lot of people I've seen since working in academia, a few graduates and, you know, people that I went to university with in the years above and below me as well, went out in search of, this is exactly what I want to do with my life. It was this very specific, uh, job, place, uh, area, and they went searching for that exact specifications in a job and some of them did get it. Some of them didn't get it, and neither of those people are still in that whichever job that they started in. 
I you do it's just a fact of life. It's either not what you think it is or it changes. Jobs are quite fluid in the first place. They're like I've had jobs that were amazing and then things changed and vice versa of jobs that were, you know, meh, so so and then things change or evolve or the culture changes in a workplace and then all of a sudden it becomes really amazing. So the jobs themselves are quite fluid. So I would say try not to, I guess tip number one, <laughs> try not to go hunting for a specific job. Uh, maybe, you know, an area. So if you like mental health or if you like neuro or whatever it is, try and look for an area. Um but I wouldn't go looking for a specific position, a specific workplace, uh, if you know if you don't have any connections, especially, and if you've never done a placement there. But obviously, if you've done a placement, then you've got the connections. So that's that's the one big tip. I think for a lot of new grads too, the the broader you can leave your search, the more easily you're going to find work. So if you are for whatever reason, when you got family, kids, etc., and you're tied to an area, that's going to limit your search a little bit. Um, if you then put your own limitations on top of that in that I want to work on this particular ward in this particular team, etc., etc., that narrows it down really, 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 really fast. Uh, whereas if you're someone who has no, le- not legitimate, but no real ties to an area and you're happy to travel anywhere you will find a job really really easily so i feel like the employability question like is it easy to get a job i i 100 feel like that's completely up to you and the limitations that you're gonna put on where you're gonna work um even the fact that you're looking for an OT job technically is limiting your employability to just OT jobs. If you were just going to look for any job at all, you probably have a fairly high chance of finding something quite rapidly. But the fact that you're looking for OT jobs and then you're looking in a certain area and then you're looking in a certain field and then you're looking in a certain hospital, etc., 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 it gets narrower and narrower and narrower. So the employability factor, I feel, overall for OT is really good. Again, I'm speaking from an Australian context. I can't say for the rest of the world, um, but I suspect it's probably relatively similar. Um, but the any limitations on that are, are put on by you. So I, I feel like that's something you have to reflect and think about um, to get, I guess, the true answer. Uh, another question, another query that came through was around new grad salaries, and I, I don't... I can't give you a number. Obviously, like I'm in Australia, I'm in a certain state. It's completely variable. Um, some even even within Australia, some states pay more than other states. The OTs in different countries probably get paid more than we do. We probably get paid more than other countries. So I can't give you a number. The one thing I will say, and I wish I <laughs> knew better, uh, I've never been particularly good with money. Um, so I feel like I wish I had known more about, uh, contracts and employment and like full-time employment and the benefits, etc. that come along with that in Australia. I'm particularly thinking of, I had issues with, 
Um, things like salary sacrificing, again, a, an amazing benefit if you can use it. But if you don't use it properly, like I did, uh, you can get yourself into a lot of trouble, especially if you have hex debt or help debt, whatever it's called now. Uh, I got myself into a large pickle as a new grad by not understanding that system very well. Um, so that's definitely something uh, if you are going to look at it. And again, you can use that to your advantage uh, and get yourself ahead. But I would definitely seek professional help with your finances if you are not uh, very well versed in that sort of world because it's a very different world from health it's not something that uni will prepare you for so definitely if, if not even just finances for anything that's out of your scope get some professional advice that's what I would say with regards to salary uh, another one of the biggest things and something I've been through as a new grad, been through as a, I don't know what I am now, OT, old person, whatever you want to call me, uh, imposter syndrome. And this is probably the biggest thing I hear from new grads or soon to be new grads is, oh, I don't know. I don't feel like I know enough. I don't feel like I know anything. I am here to tell you that you know more than you give yourself credit for. You know enough. You've just spent, again, depending on your country and what course you're doing, you've spent somewhere between two and four years preparing for this moment, preparing for this job. And yes, I can put my hand on my heart and say, you won't know everything and you won't be amazing at everything. But I can also say in that same sentence that same situation that you know more than you are letting on you know more than you're aware of and i think you will fare better in circumstances than you currently believe that you might the two biggest things i see new grads and i had uh imposter syndrome about are one like i said the knowledge I don't have enough knowledge. I don't know anything. I don't know what I'm doing. How do I? I'm not going to know how to do that. Or even before that, like what happens if they ask me something and I don't know? They're going to think I'm stupid. They're going to think I'm unqualified. They're going to regret hiring me. Trust me, I've thought all of these uh, in my in my career. Not even just as a new grad. I've thought them when I moved into academia. I've thought them when I changed teams into a different field within mental health. Um, this is a fairly common human trait. It's normal. It's okay. It's all part of the process. But the important thing is to not let those thoughts and those feelings of inadequacy get in the way of you actually utilizing the skill set that you do have. A lot of the time, I, you know, I hear people say like, yeah, fake it till you make it. And I kind of agree with it. Not necessarily because you're actually going to be faking it, but you, so you're not faking uh, the actual administration of assessments or skills or whatever you're doing. You're faking the confidence. Fake the confidence. If that's what you need to do in order to get through, fake the confidence because your knowledge, the things that are ingrained in your brain will take over when they need to. But you just need to either get the confidence or fake the confidence until that process kicks in. 
Because the other thing that I hear a lot of people talking about with imposter syndrome is the quality of service that they feel like they're going to be able to or not be able to offer to their clients. I had someone actually message me when I put some stuff out on Instagram yesterday saying like, oh, what happens if I do something wrong and a client dies? I'm like, that is the absolute worst case scenario you possibly could have even imagined. Um, And let me put your mind at ease. There are very few, like ever, very few situations as an OT where you will be working in a life or death situation. And if you are, you won't be the only one there. Aside from, that's assuming you're working within your scope and all of that stuff is is, is kosher. So uh, I I don't like to people stressing about I'm going to kill someone accidentally with negligence or that sort of thing. There's very few situations where OTs are put in those situations. If you are, your team, if, if, you're, if you're in a team that works with people on that sort of bleeding edge of life and death, your team will be more than well-versed in not putting you in that situation that there's a, a huge potential that you're going to do that. If for whatever you find yourself in a team that is working with people at the sort of, you know, with the potential of hurting them, harming them, um, terminating their life, etc. There is so much extra training that would need to go into working around those situations. You're going to be okay. And I would highly doubt in a team like that that there would be any new grad OTs working there. I could be wrong. But I would say 99.9% of OTs have never been put in that situation. So if you're going to think about things, try not to stress about the absolute worst case scenario. Um, you know, it's like, what am I going to do if a meteor hits me in the head? Like, it's fairly safe to say that that's not going to happen. If you want more information about imposter syndrome, there is a wicked episode of the OT Roundtable podcast that you can go and check out. I believe that if you go to theotroundtable.com, you will find it in there under episodes. I believe it to be episode number three uh, with the lovely Alondra, who has also been a guest on Occupied. Uh, And the four of us on that episode did a deep dive into imposter syndrome and what that's all about. The other concern I I probably wish I'd known more about when I was a new grad uh, was work-life balance. I think that once I got out of university, for those first probably six or seven years, I was 100% like, I've worked so hard to get here. I need to make the most of it. I need to get ahead. I need to be better than every other OT. I'm afraid to say that I had that mentality. Like, I need to be amazing. Um, 
And I think that led to a really, really terrible work-life balance. Like, there wasn't even a balance. It was like an elephant and a butterfly sitting on a seesaw. It was very one-sided. Um, everything was work. My extracurriculars were work. I mean, it had its benefits in that, like, I got to start MH4OT and be heavily involved in that. Um, it led to the skill set that eventually led to me starting this podcast. So there's definitely uh, some benefit to it. I, I don't necessarily regret it because, obviously, if I regret it, then, like, if I hadn't done it, then I wouldn't be where I am now. But uh, it did get to a point a few years ago that I kind of burnt out. I got over everything. I had to pull back. And I feel like if I'd started out with healthier life habits, with better balance with regards to my personal life and my work life, that it might not have got to that crisis point uh, before I went, oh, okay, wait up. I might need to actually adjust and change some of this stuff. Yes, it's new, it's exciting to get your first job, to get out there, to get working, to even go hunting for, for OT jobs is exciting. But don't forget that in the grand scheme of things, it's a job. And it's important for 90% of people, 99% of people, to work to live and not live to work. So please don't, I wish I hadn't, don't forget your friends, don't forget your hobbies, don't forget, I think the biggest thing I forgot was uh, creative expression, which again is something I've kind of gained a little bit back with my podcasting and now with my photography and my training and all that sort of stuff is I'm slowly, even now, 12 years later, I'm still clawing that back. Whereas I feel like I'd be in a much better place or have would be in a much better place earlier if I just hadn't let it get away from me in the first place. So don't, I wish I'd known not to neglect my life for my career. You know, you know that sounds very dire, but that's how it felt uh, when I hit that sort of burnout stage. It felt like that's what I'd been doing. So I 100% wish I hadn't hadn't done that. And I don't know how I would have done it differently, but I wish if I'd at least been aware of it, um, that yes, this OT thing is new and it's exciting and it's going to take over your life if you let it. Uh, episode, I can't remember what number episode, but the episode that I had with Gail Whiteford uh, on Occupied, she talked about the fact that the same thing happened to her. She was involved in essentially setting up large concepts like occupational science uh, for the whole profession. And it was new and it was massive and it was exciting and it came at a cost, which again, she talked about in that episode, she doesn't necessarily regret those costs and feels like you know things have been righted now. But at the time, like how much, how, I guess in hindsight, how much better could life have been knowing that, okay, this thing that you're doing is going to get a little bit out of hand. And it will. It will. If you truly love the profession, it will become you. <laughs> that sounds like a bad horror movie or something. Um, but yes, keep your work-life balance. Keep your, your social life. Keep your hobbies. Hobbies are really important. 
Uh, it's, again, a lesson that I am learning way too late in life. Um, but yeah, keep on top of that stuff. In order to do that, though, again, another thing I wish I'd known was how to set better boundaries. How to, not necessarily for people, but even for myself with regards to separating work and home. Separating work and personal life. Uh, I have a thousand tricks to do it now, but I just wish I'd known, okay, like it's actually important to put some separation between work and home. So after this time, no work. I don't want to talk about work. I don't want to think about work. Or there's some sort of routine or ritual that you go through that separates work and home. I know this is something that is probably coming as a... I'm preaching to the choir now, given the the whole COVID situation that the world is in. And this is something that a lot of people have been discussing and working around uh, for the last few months is actually, how do I manage this when I'm stuck at home? And there is no separation between work and personal life because I'm working at home. So everything's happening here. So some of the tricks that you know a lot of people have probably only just learned keep them. If you're going into practice soon, if you're just a new grad, try and keep these things that we've learned through this COVID process with regards to separating work, as long as they're healthy habits, separating work and separating your personal life, keep that going. Don't lose that because that's really important and it's going to help you in the long run uh, with regards to staying in the profession longer, keeping your passions longer for the for OT um, and just being more, sort of, not being, but feeling more successful within this profession. Because this profession is phenomenal and you will get out what you put in. And I've seen a lot of podcasts, including myself, use the analogy of the uh, air mask on an airplane and that you need to help yourself first before you can help others. You need to put your own mask on before you can support and help others. And by keeping these good boundaries, by keeping healthy life balance and healthy hobbies and activities, by not letting imposter syndrome get in your way, and by taking your employability to the next level by not getting in your own way, not putting in false barriers that are going to limit your employability, you're going to do really well. You're going to kill it in this profession. Another thing just before I finish that I got asked a lot was about interviewing. And I'm actually going to do a completely separate episode on that because it deserves it. Uh, It's something I've seen a lot of new grads in a lot of different groups as well, asking about common questions. How do I present? What's it like, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm going to do a full full episode just on interviewing for you guys. Uh, And I'll hopefully answer any questions you have if you do have any questions that you want to specific want me to specifically address in that episode email me at brock.cook at me.com you can jump on occupiedpodcast.com there's a contact me section in there you can dm occupied podcast on instagram you can message occupied podcast on facebook i am very easy to get hold of but if you have anything you want me to address in an episode specifically about interviewing, uh, particularly for new grads, because I think older clinicians have probably had a little bit of experience with it, uh, then 
please do get in contact, let me know, and I will put that together for you guys because I want you guys to be the best OTs that you possibly can. Uh, And if I can help even a little bit, then I'm all in. I'm all for it. That's all I got for you guys. Hopefully that is helpful. Uh, If you, like I said at the start, if you do have any feedback, get in contact with me in a number of ways. If you like it, share it with your friends, share it with other OTs, share it with your grandma. I don't mind. I'm sure she might enjoy it. Who knows? Uh, Other than that, guys, thanks very much. I will see you guys next episode.